Well, hey, uh, welcome to the house. And um, uh, before I get started, this is uh, somewhat awkward, but Will Dower, you need to come down from the balcony to the front. For, um, it's going to take him a while because I last saw him in the balcony. I don't know if he's left for the day already, as most of our staff does. But um, Will Dowry is our intern, one of our interns. And uh, Will and I were in a core group for three years together, and he just graduated from the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga this past uh, May. So, um, but he has a big life event coming up on Saturday. Will is going to become a Christian on Saturday. No, <laughs> he doesn't know it yet, but no, um, Will is marrying his beautiful fiance, Stephanie. Is she up there? Oh, I didn't know she was going to be here. This is perfect. Stephanie, I'm so glad you're here. Will had no idea this was, he, I am going to teach Will how to talk to you romantically from husband to wife. Awesome. Trust me, I don't know how to do it, but I know a book that does. So, Zach, can we put up this scripture from the Song of Solomon? And I want you, Will, to practice. This is like your wedding day. We're going to get you a microphone. Should we, have, should we have Stephanie come down here? Because let's forget talking up to the balcony. Let's, Stephanie, come on down. Let's give her some encouragement. You know, I'm glad that she's here because this is what I was going to do, honestly. I was going to read the part of the bride to Will. And, um, but we just have Will reading to you, Stephanie. So... Um, and if you want, we can do the wedding right now, because I am an ordained minister. You guys want up for that? You guys would miss out on chicken and waffles, though. Okay, so um, seriously, that's what they're having. It's awesome. Okay, so Stephanie, I want you to look lovingly in Will's eyes, and Will, as much as possible, try to read that and look at her at the same time. Oh, yes, one knee. This is good. Have you done this before? No. Anytime you're ready, Will. Okay. <laughs> Time, clock's ticking. All right, let's go. Yeah. Okay. Stephanie, you've stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. <laughs> you have, you have yeah, stolen yeah. my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride? How much more pleasing is your love than wine? And the, and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice. Keep going. You're not done. <laughs> your, lip, your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of love. Okay, let's stop there. It's getting a little racy. But, yeah, there's more, but we'll leave that for your wedding day. So let's give Will and Stephanie congratulations in advance. So there you go. Be careful of celebrating life events near the house. So um, if you're here for the first time, that does not happen every week. 
Um, but we, we, my name is David Burke, I'm the director here, and uh, I get to see a lot of weddings. Um, I never know about those people, they put stuff up behind me while I'm talking. Um, if you're here for the first time, this is what you've missed. Um, we're doing this series called Felt Board Jesus, Exhibit A right over here, that's a felt board if you've never seen one, and we're basically looking at Sunday school stories and how maybe the way that they've been taught only is on the surface. In the very first week, if you were here, you might remember I talked about three things, that Jesus, when he called the disciples, the fishermen, off of the lake, Jesus must have been good, he must have been real, he must have been true. For men to drop everything that they knew, everything that they knew, and to follow him, there must have been something about him that was good, real, and true. And then the second week, we bounced back to the Old Testament, we looked at God speaking to Moses out of a burning bush. And if you remember, God reveals that, that he's a God who sees, he hears, he knows, and he rescues. And all of us want to be seen, like Aaron was talking about in the, in the fall retreat, we want to be seen, we want to be known, we want to be cared for, we want to be heard. And whether we like it or not, we all need to be rescued. That's that song that we just sung, that, that we are helpless without someone making a sacrifice for us, and we believe that that's Jesus Christ who made that sacrifice. Well, we are going back to the New Testament today to look at a story, evidently, about a caterpillar. Um, this guy right here looks like a caterpillar. Um, I want to thank Bethany from the worship team who helped me out with this, but um, this was a rough week for us uh, artistically. Um, we've been told that these look more like animals than people, but um, everybody can see that this is Jesus, obviously. So we still got that part right, and that's all that matters, right? So we're going to read a passage from Luke chapter 5, and it's going to be up on your screen. And so here we go. One day when, Pharis when Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were there. Pharisees were very devoted followers of God's law in Jesus' day. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now some men, the four friends on the top there, were, came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now I'm going to stop right there for a moment. Now, I don't know how many of you have been around church, but I have heard this passage preached in a lot of different ways, okay? Um, but there's typically some, some certain ways that almost all of the stories that we're going to be looking at this semester, that they shift the focus a little bit. They shift the focus off the, the story a little bit. And the way that I've heard this thing preached is, um, if you want to get that, you can go ahead. Um, there's a phone ringing. Um, it won't bother me, seriously. Um, so Jesus... Um, Jesus has these, sees this man brought down in front of them, and it would be kind of like, I mean, imagine a little bit more of a crowd, because obviously some people could come in right here, but 
four friends climb up on this roof. Probably wasn't this tall, so just forget it. But, um, <laughs> but four friends dig through the roof to get to Jesus. Okay. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard it preached this way. It usually goes like this. Um, whatever you have to do, Whatever obstacle is in your way, you have got to get to Jesus. Now, I know you're tired. I know you're busy. I know that you've got a lot of stuff going on, your, going on in your life. But if these four friends were willing to dig through a roof to get their friend to Jesus, then, then you need to do what you can to get to Jesus. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you heard that sermon? The other part of that sermon goes like this, that um, you need to bring your friends to Jesus. You need to be that friend that, no matter what, carries your friends to Jesus. We heard that one too, right? Yeah, Um, one person. Um, The other way is this. We need to be surrounded by friends like this when we start to fall away, okay? Now, I want you all to notice something about every one of those stories about that story jesus is not mentioned when that's preached that way it all becomes about you it all becomes about what you have to do to get to jesus what what you need to be what kind of friend you need to be how you need to surround yourself with friends and i don't know about you but when i hear a lot of sermons like that i feel guilty at the end Because all of a sudden, the responsibility is on me. The responsibility is on me to do all of these things. Whatever barrier there is, I've got to bust through it to get to Jesus. Whatever, whatever, you know, I need friends around me. I need to find friends that will always bring me to Jesus. I need to be the kind of friend that brings people to Jesus. And I just leave feeling guilty. That's not what this story is about. And it's so fascinating how quickly we can make the main character of the story fade off into the sunset. Why is it with all of these stories that the main character gets ignored? Why is it that Jesus gets ignored? We're going to tackle that question a little bit later. Let me go on with the passage. Jesus saw their faith. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, there we go, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Now I'm going to try to look at this story really honestly for a moment. Think about the four friends that were bringing their paralyzed man, the paralyzed man to Jesus. Think about them digging through the roof, lowering that man in front 
of Jesus. And as that man then lay on the floor, Jesus saying to him, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, that's not what the friends were bringing him there for, right? We can't assume, this is the first time in the gospel, by the way, that Jesus does this with anyone. I mean, it's amazing that, that Dan and James shared tonight. And just thinking about them holding Chase in that moment and crying out, I don't think for forgiveness, but for healing, for healing, for Chase to be made whole again. So we, we need to think for a moment, what was the man thinking? He's he's. I, would, I, I don't know about you, but I would be pretty angry and bitter if most of my life I could never move. Perhaps all of my life I could never move. And then beginning to hear stories about this man who's walking around and doing amazing things. And for these friends of mine to pick me up and to take me there and for them to not lose heart because there was a crowd in the room, but, but then to lay me in front and then for Jesus to say, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, hopefully this will hit home for all of us for a moment. How many of you have ever prayed for something from Jesus and not gotten what you asked for? I have. All the time. And it's frustrating, isn't it? And at times, don't we hear Jesus perhaps say something else? And think about this man sitting there, maybe even how offended he was that Jesus would say this to him. Your sins are forgiven? That's not why I'm here, Jesus. Can't you see why I'm here? Now, We've probably been around church long enough that we, we kind of get this. This is what Jesus does. He forgives sins. That's what he does. So we probably don't read this with an offensive tone at all. But think how frustrating it must have been for this man. And then on top of that, these teachers of the law begin to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody can forgive sins except for God alone. And that, brothers and sisters, is the point of the story. It's not about friends digging through a roof. Only God can forgive sins. And he was right in front of them. Now, I'm going to tell you another way that I've often heard this preached. The man wanted to be healed. He was laid in front of him. But Jesus knew what he really needed. You ever heard that one? The things that really matter to Jesus is the forgiveness of sins. That's all that matters, just the spiritual things. That's what God takes care of, is the spiritual stuff. If we read this passage this way, and if you ever heard that sermon preached, it's wrong. Because the story doesn't end there. You see, Jesus says, I have authority on earth to forgive sins and for whatever reason, I don't know the mind of Jesus that he looked at that man 
And perhaps it wasn't just for that man, but for everybody that was witnessing it. Jesus was wanting to say, I'm here to do not only that, but heal as well. I have been given authority. I am God in the flesh, and I am here to forgive you your sins. Isn't it interesting, by the way, that he says this before the cross is even in view? Go home and think about that one tonight for a moment. Before the cross ever happens, Jesus forgives sins. But he does not stop there. And that's good news for all of us. Because any of us that have ever been frustrated with, God, haven't you heard what I've been praying for? Can't you see what I'm going through? Why are you not answering that prayer? And if we're hearing, well, I forgive you my, your sins, the good news is, is that Jesus then turns to the man and says, pick up your mat and walk. Again, I would imagine that for James and Dan and Chase's family, for months and months and months, praying for healing, there was frustration that God was not answering as quickly as they would have liked. Let's be honest. But God does heal. There were times when, when I know that there were times in the hospital when the doctor said, if this doesn't work, Chase is not going to make it. That day seems a long way off now. We do not understand the way that God works and why Jesus would say to this man, your sins are forgiven there, and then tell him, pick up your mat and walk. But the good news is, is that he does both. If any of us have ever relegated Jesus to the guy who forgives us our sins when we keep on screwing up, this story tells us that he's so much more. He heals. He heals our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit that we put ourselves in or the pit that someone else has put us in. He forgives us our sins. I would imagine that there's every one of us in this room, every one of us in this room, struggle with the times when we feel less than less than worthy, less than loved, less than cared for, less than beautiful, less than accomplished. And we hold that within and put on a good face for everyone else, but inside we're ashamed of the things that we've done. We're ashamed even of the things that we've thought about doing. Every single one of us in this room needs to hear what Jesus said to that man. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Take your mat and walk. See, there's beauty in what he said. Because when we understand that our sins have been forgiven, that's when we can take our mat, the thing that has been, we've been lying on, and walk. And the story, again, it's not about the friends. It's not about the roof. It's not even necessarily about the paralyzed man. 
But I bet you he told that story again and again and again. Can you imagine what, how he sat around sitting up telling his friends? I don't know why he said it, but first he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. I don't know what he was doing, but I was sitting there lying on the, my purple caterpillar, uh, you know, North Face sleeping bag, and I was in front of him, and he said, your sins are forgiven, and I'm like, I'm not here for that. I want to walk. But years later, I wonder if he's going, but you know what? Now I know why. Now I know why he said that. Because I need both. I need to know that everything I've ever done wrong, everything I've thought about doing, that Jesus takes care of that. And he calls us friend. And yes, he can make us walk again. My prayer as we continue to look at these stories and many others like them is that we don't miss the main character. Because I think that the reason why we ignore the main character is that if we really grasped the fact that Jesus forgives us our sins and can do amazing things more than we could ever imagine in our lives, then he would demand our following. If we really grasped who he was, every single one of us would follow. And I honestly think that the reason why with this story and many others we push him to the side is that it's easier that way. But this story and many others like them, do not allow us to do that to Jesus. We can't push him to the side because he is the only one who can forgive us the things that we have done, the things that we will do, and the one who can heal us. Let's pray together. Father, these things are too wonderful for us. Too wonderful for us to even grasp. That you forgive us. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our sins from us? You've thrown them, Scripture says, into the depths of the ocean. You even forget them. And more than that, you know exactly what it is that we come to you for. And you grant us that. And Lord, we know it's not in our time. And the hardest thing about our relationship with you is that we want what we want when we want it. But somehow you know. Somehow you know. May we indeed be able to say, you are good. And your love endures forever, even when we don't understand the answer you give us. 
we thank you for showing us Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.